Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. So today we're joined by Dom Brightman, and he's an award-winning speaker and certified member of the John Maxwell team. He's the author of Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself, and the follow-up bestseller, Stay the Course, The Elite Performer's Seven Secret Keys to Sustainable Success. As if that's not enough, Dom hosts the Going North podcast, which is a top-rated self-help podcast that interviews authors from all over the world. So welcome to Dom. Woohoo! Thanks so much for having me on, Shelley. I appreciate you. Oh, bless you. Now, that was a lovely bio, but I haven't got a clue. What is a John Maxwell team member? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, John Maxwell team member is a certified leadership coach under the world's number one leadership authority, John C. Maxwell. He's uh, currently 73 years old at the time of this recording, and he's been in leadership been studying and writing about leadership for the past let's say around a good 30 years and he has been in leadership for about a good 50 years of his life so he's he's one heck of a one heck of a powerful guy his writings have changed my life and being a part of the team as being one of his legacy legs of being licensed to teach his content material to share what he's learned in his life to be able to share it with others is one heck of a blessing so that's in a nutshell, without the walnuts, where the John Maxwell team member is. Wow, that's really quite amazing. Because like thirty years ago, I didn't think leadership was such a thing. It was all very much management. But that's really interesting. So John Maxwell, he helped turn your life around. So please do tell us again. What is your one story of positive change in your own life? Sure thing. So back in 2012, where we thought the world was going to end, but all in all, we just lost Twinkies for a month. On my 21st birthday, I got into a car accident on my way to IT security class, and car crashed. It was I was driving after getting some gas in my car, went for a left turn, the darn brake jammed, and boom, ran to a curb. And I was shell-shocked for about a good five minutes because I'm like, what the heck just happened? Because I've never... I've been in a car accident before, and I was still alive to tell the tale afterwards, and that's something no one else wants to be in. And after the first few minutes of being shell-shocked, I wonder what the heck I'm supposed to do. I, was, I called my mom and let her know, I was like, hey, I uh, got into a car accident, and that was right after I called AAA about everything, and they went ahead and towed me in <laughs> after about a good hour because – I was in a place where it was backing up traffic <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> people love traffic, right? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yep. And realizing that that car accident was actually a blessing in disguise. And that was actually one of the best birthday gifts of my life because that's really one of the main stories I tell whenever I give talks and get on podcasts and just try to inspire folks that hey i'm still alive after that accident could have been a lot worse and not only that that same year my father was 
actually coming down with Alzheimer's and he was diagnosed with it. And after that, I had to do more around the home with my mom as well, because she wasn't always well. She was a senior citizen, too, and basically doing all that caregiving and realizing, you know what, this is really getting to me more than I thought. And it even showed up in my day job as a librarian. In fact, that my communication with my fellow colleagues and staff members wasn't good, and I realized something needed to change. So I found my own acres of diamonds where there was wealth around me that I didn't tap into. And I picked up one of John Maxwell's books, and it changed my life. And one of the best books ever written was The 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. And it's a short book about a good 180 pages about the qualities of a leader. And it helped me to become more of an extrovert and learn how to connect with other people because believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. And I do gain my energy by being alone and recharging, even though I'm great with people and can mingle with the best of them and humor and entertain folks. And just reading that book and actually going down the road of being reborn in 2013 and doing a New Year's mantra where every year I'd have one to three words be the theme of the year and I at least try to read at least 50 plus books a year and try to implement at least one thing from the book if it's applicable to my own life to try to better my life and better the lives of others. Oh wow so you had this accident and then with that your dad's diagnosis so you was working in a library and you just started reading like tapping into the resources that were there is that right? Yes ma'am. And so what happened? So you read the John Maxwell book. How did it go from reading a book to writing a book? <laughs> Funny enough, reading the book actually led me to wanting to read more books. And one book called The Magic of Getting What You Want by David Schwartz mentioned in an activity in the book where you write your own personal obituary. And the obituary, for some strange reason, I wrote in that obituary that I would be a best-selling author of multiple books and a couple months later, I was at a personal development conference handing out these reading lists to people called the 100 Books for Dynamic Living as my business car alternative because people put those in the trash <laughs> or forget about you <laughs> two years later when they put them in the business card graveyard. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And one lady handed it the list to, she looked at my list, she looked back at me, looked at the list, looked back at me and asked where my book was. And I was like, uh, I was 23 at the time. And I'm like, what the heck am I write about? My book, I'll have my name on that list. And she dared me to write a book. And I was like, no. And my, this is about a good two or three months after I did the obituary activity where I said I was going to be an author. And I was like, <laughs> nope, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and she even offered to join me in the dare where we both write and publish our books. And she, I still said no and walked off and that was <laughs> the, the end of that for the moment. So I thought, but when I told a friend of mine about it, he called me out on it. And a year from that moment, I decided to publish my first book going North. Wow. That's brilliant. I love the fact you sat there, looked at your own mortality, written your own eulogy. This is what I want to achieve. This is my bucket list. And then someone says, let's, let's do the bucket list. And you're like, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I also love it because I didn't know about this book, but in my book, I get people to write their own eulogy. Like, you know, how do you think people are going to talk about it? How do you want to be remembered? So that's really spooky. Like here we are like years later. And that's actually in my book, you know, because I talk really openly about death and I like everyone else to talk about death too. But that's kind of hilarious that you're, one thing you wanted to achieve when asked to achieve it, you're like, no, thanks. No. 
Yeah, exactly. Because it's it 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 kind of goes back to what you talk about a lot is when it comes to timing. It is a timing for everything. In my mind, I thought, hey, this is what I want to do. And when it comes time to be confronted with it, you feel like you're not ready yet. But sometimes you need to be around the right people that'll encourage you and call you out on your own BS to actually go out there and actually do what you say you're going to do. So your book, so the Going North that you went on to write, that's all about like techniques and tools, isn't it? Uh, yes, ma'am. And just like yours, it's short for the distracted mind. <laughs> So tell me, how do you develop like this rock solid positive mindset? Yes, ma'am. So for that, it actually, an idea came to me of how to put this, make this book different was actually in a Starbucks drinking coffee one day because it was about a couple months before I had to figure out how I'm going to self-publish this book. And it actually came to me through caffeine that realized, wait a second, I read a lot of stuff. And I'm actually careful what I put in my mind and my ears and like to encourage people and people encourage me and it came out to be rave. So even though I'm not talking about glow sticks here, when it comes to rave, (laughs) (laughs) it means reading great material and audio immersion, listening to great music podcasts like this one and listening to stuff that (laughs) will actually benefit you and the visual immersion a visual soaking is just making sure that what you watch is actually benefiting you. It's like make sure that you entertain yourself, but also educate yourself too. So make sure you also educate yourself as much as you entertain yourself or vice versa, preferably educating yourself more. And also the E for encouragement is also encouraging yourself and others because everyone needs encouragement if they're living and breathing, but also the person giving the encouragement needs the encouragement too, because we're like wells. If we keep letting folks draw from our water, metaphorically speaking, and we have no water left, then we wouldn't be a well anymore. That is so true. So, cause you read a lot, don't you? Like 50 books a year. So is that one of the tools you'd recommend that keep reading? You're saying, listen to positive things. It is like what you feel yourself with, you know, cause some people would say like, you know, if you eat well and things like that, but you're saying everything like reading, listening, eating, drinking, just make everything positive. Yes, ma'am. And just making sure good brain care is on the mind and you don't have to read 50 books a year. Like I do at least pick one to one to like 12 good books to maybe even read throughout the year, even to reread so that way you can really saturate your mind with what you want if it's a good book that you love and enjoy because if you really like one book and it really helps you out and you want to get as much you can out of it then that's actually even better than reading a bunch of other diverse books and then being even more confused and hearing all these different voices metaphorically Before people in white coats come and get you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He's fine. He's with me. (laughs) I've got your back, Dom. You're safe. It's all right. Sweet. Guardian (laughs) angel status already. I love it. (laughs) I'm a wise old soul. So you went from the Going North book and then got the follow-up, Stay the Course. What's the difference between the two? Ah, yes. The difference between the two books is not only better interior formatting and better packaging is also the fact that this book was actually written after the death of my father back in 2017 because the book was published going north itself was in 2016 that october and then in march 2017 my father he died after dementia 
because it just advanced over those years of time. And everybody in the family knew that this was going to be coming. We, we all knew it was coming, but when it happened, we still were grieving. There was still tears shit and everything like that. And I thought that I'd be okay. And even had a burst of energy the week of his passing because the day after he passed away, we had a big snowstorm out in Baltimore and everything was basically shut down. So that gave us a quiet day. And then the day after our home turned into a call center because it kept getting calls back and forth and to do some calls and other, other stuff. And after the funeral was over a couple of weeks later, since he was a war veteran and he had a plot in one of the veteran cemeteries, I went back to work and I thought everything was okay. I'll just get back to work and do normal things. And this was at a time where not only I was promoted to a full-time librarian, but also was doing a volunteer leadership position through Toastmasters where overseas 17 clubs in an area and also trying to promote the book and turn that into actual side hustle to make it more profitable. I was doing all of the stuff when I was leading on empty and in this life, when you put so much pressure on yourself and you lead on empty and you have nothing else to give, then you'll basically be giving up on yourself. And that's where I was at the time. And I wasn't aware and that just led to realizing that elite performance is awareness because those who are at their best are aware of themselves and their inner life and aware what's going on in the outer life. And I was called in from my boss's office and she was like, Hey, is everything all right? And everything. And she, she noticed that some things I was screwing up on that I wasn't even paying attention to. And then I was like, Oh shoot. <laughs> like I thought I was doing okay. <laughs> like, darn it. I wasn't aware. So I was like, all right, well, it's time to get this thesis for book number two out because I said book two was going to be out in two years and it actually happened in two and a half years because I procrastinated because I'm still human. <laughs> no, no, matter, <laughs> no matter how good you are, there's going to be moments where you have to realize you're human. And that's kind of where the book came from was the fact that I was dealing with grief and it was in me and I didn't realize I was dealing with it as much as I needed to deal with it. And I just needed to be aware of what was going on on the inside so I can perform better on the outer world. Yeah, absolutely. I love the way you talk about grief. I love the way anyone talks about grief. I just think it's, you know, I don't know, it just changes people's lives. It's like a, I don't even call it a healing process, but it's a real depth to grief. and. What do you think you learned most about the grief for you? Uh, grief taught me that, <laughs> that there's still a lot to learn in life and that I can teach others better after going through the grief process because my, my father, he was basically going through that process of all times for years and years and it was written on the wall. But no matter how hard you, you prepare for something, you're still going to get hard hit by life no matter yeah. what happens no matter how great you prepared <laughs> first contact is coming for you <laughs> yeah and it's hard isn't it when you have things like alzheimer's because you, you say you know the endings there i mean we well, should all know the endings there that we're all going to die at some point but when you get these terminal illnesses and things like alzheimer's there's this anticipatory grief where you know it's coming so part of you starts to grieve when the physical presence is still there, doesn't it? But then 
it still doesn't seem to quite prepare you for the actual final event, does it? It's a very strange type of grief. Uh, that's true indeed for the final event. I love the way you put it that way because it's so true, the anticipatory grief, because, yeah, we are anticipating it, and then when it, the final event happened, it's like, oh, wow, all right. So this is how yeah. it feels still. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, I don't, it's, but you think that's part of you accepts it and you start to do it, but it doesn't actually soften the grief when it happens, does it? You think maybe if you try before you buy and you start to prepare, but actually in reality, you're still grieving. It's still a grief process. It's still got pain to it, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, because it really just seeped in like day by day afterwards. Like it, I thought for that first week when I was running around with all this energy, I guess that was just me being in the denial phase of it. It's like, all right, well, I still got to make sure everything's okay with the family and everything like that. And then once the funeral's over and it's time to go back to work, that's when it really started to set in for me. And it, it kind of goes back to that selflessness that really helps you to really live life to the fullest when you think about others beyond yourself. And even when taking care of yourself, you have to also realize where you are in life because you can only help a lot of people as much as you can your body will allow you to do that yeah absolutely so from the outside looking in it seems that you had these like i call them plot twists in your life story so you had like the car accident and you went on to write book number one and then your dad died and you went on to write book number two is that how you see your life started to pan out oh yeah oh yeah i'm uh, hopefully book three i won't get like attacked by a rhino or something yeah, less drastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope the same for you, Dom. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'd rather do the dodge kickball with Shelly. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's play dodgeball and just see what happens. <laughs> it's a gentler way to start a novel, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So book number two was about elite performance. So what are some of the key points on becoming an elite performer? Yes, ma'am. So awareness is the major key in the first five chapters spread off on awareness. And one of the keys is habit awareness of being aware of the habits that you have in your daily life that you may need to change or even maybe even need to double down on. Like one of them, there's this quote that a good day starts the night before. And usually the night before, usually if I have to go to work the next day, make sure my clothes are ready to the following day and during a little reflection of how the day went with some gratitude and even asking myself questions of like what good did I do today what did I learn today and heck even preparing my mind to learn for the next day by asking what good can I do tomorrow and what can I share with others like is there a smile is there a listening ear that I can share with others is there someone that needs help getting groceries or just just small things that can really add up and compound over time of being aware of the habits that we have and not only preparing for a great day and when the day actually happens your mind subconsciously will point out different ways that it'll happen because one time on my list I wrote down that I was going to share a listening ear with somebody and lo and behold I'll that was with my day job as a librarian with a customer. She needed help with PowerPoint. And then she actually invited me to be 
a guest speaker at her high school senior day where she invited professionals to come out and give kids advice on what it takes to go out there on job interviews and get that job and even do some mock interviews with some of the kids. And that's all because I wrote down, what can I share? A listening ear actually led to a blessing down the road. And that just shows the classic fact that sharing is caring. Yeah. That's brilliant. I absolutely love that. That's right. With a big old heart too. Yeah. And it's just really nice because at the end of the day, so I sort of like, you know, wake up and kind of rate my day before it even starts. Like, am I feeling an eight or a nine? And then at the end of the day, I do gratitude for, you know, the day I've just had, and then I go into meditation. So you're saying that at the end of your day, rather than where I'd give gratitude for what I've been through, you're putting your mindset further forward into the next day. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. Because your brain's cooking while you're sleeping. I like that. I have to go to bed earlier now to fit it all in, but I do like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got the, so when I'm going, I'm saying thank you for today, you know, whatever's happened that day. And I'm sort of like closing down that day, but you're putting the intention forward, like paying it forward. And that's really lovely. And I've never even thought of that. And it's quite simple, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's simple to do and simple not to do because when I started, I was gung ho about it. And when the grief happened, I fell off the wagon, among with other things. So this was really kind of why the book was called Stay the Course, because I had to refocus and pivot back to where I felt like I needed to be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what happened? I'm hoping you didn't get attacked by a rhino. So <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so you've done book one, book two. Then you've gone from book to podcast. You weren't attacked or anything awful. So what happened there? How did that transition come? Oh, yeah. Funny enough, it was actually before book two came out. It was June of 2017 when I figured, you know what? I needed a new way to market my book. And I was originally going to call my podcast the Mr. Music and Reads podcast to highlight both authors and musicians, especially underground musicians. I enjoy listening to music and to like really give them another platform to get the music out there. But then I was having coffee with one of my buddies named Amy and she told me, I was like, Hey, why don't you call your podcast the going North podcast? Because your book is basically a brand and funny enough, the going North philosophy started off as a joke in response to someone always asking me, how's it going? And I'm like, wait, has anyone ever really set a direction? So I'm like, I'm going North. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that. I'm going to brand that. <laughs> exactly. Like, just take the question literal and just have fun with it. I've just realized because obviously underneath all my hair dye, I am actually blonde because mine is like po positive changes, a self-kick book, positive changes, a self-kick podcast. And you've done exactly the same. Yeah, and it's great. And it shows that we were meant to be together for this conversation for a reason. It's like this work. We're all one mind here, whether we realize it or not. It's just, I got so excited when I had that realization. There's going to be people rolling their eyes all across the world now listening to this podcast. But I'm like, oh my God, we did the same thing. We branded our book. That's right. And you didn't have to even kick yourself too hard for it. No, I think, I think life did that for me. <laughs> <laughs> just when I start enjoying myself, it gives me a little kick. <laughs> <laughs> Just a spiritual being having a human experience. Here's a little reminder. 
Oh, yeah, it's true, because we got this clay vehicle for only so long, right? Yes, and you have to look after it, because it's the only place you've got to live, Dom. <laughs> that, that's true, that's true. <laughs> that, that, that's the house you all to take care of first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you've done from book to podcast. So no one's going to ask me for any tips on podcasts, because I'm just having a blast. You, probably more professional. So what tips would you give to someone starting a podcast of their own? Sure thing. So when you want to start a podcast, figure out what you want your podcast to be about, who is it for. And that's something that I struggled with at times because it's like, okay, um, I'm kind of like an old soul in Sonic Youth because my parents were in their 50s when I came around. So it's like I can communicate with those who are older than me, decades ahead of me. And I was growing up with kids so I could still connect with them. And I figured, you know what, let me just figure out who the message is for us, figure out who you're, who is and know what you want your podcast to be about and why you're doing your podcast. And then figure out a schedule for your podcast and stay consistent with it. Because when I originally launched my podcast, I thought I was going to do it on every Wednesday on every Camel Appreciation Day slash Hump Day for those who call Wednesdays Hump Days. And oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I originally was going to do that. But then I didn't know what the heck an RSSS feed was, and I didn't <laughs> know what the heck to do. So I just launched my stuff on SoundCloud on a Thursday instead because I basically failed on the launch date, so I just had to put it up anyway. And since I interviewed a bunch of people, <laughs> I figured, all right, I got to just get this out here. And thus, it's like, all right, Thursdays. Now we're doing it every Thursday. <laughs> and just stick with the schedule. <laughs> So, <laughs> I love that. So Dom's top tip is schedule. Oh, just stick it out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's like, I mean, you can always change it down the road because 2018, when I was about 30 so episodes in, I kept getting inquiries from people all over the globe wanting to be on the show. And I kept saying yes to everybody and then had a three month backlog. And I'm like, oh, crap, I need to do something here. So <laughs> I, I added Mondays too. So Mondays and Thursdays an episode goes up. So it's like, Oh, Hey, uh, thanks for being on the show. Um, I know we talked about Memorial day and it's labor day, but Hey, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite good. It sees if your listeners actually listening, <laughs> isn't it? I always think that like when I'm doing my podcast, I mean, as I said, I'm having a blast and been inspired. I've been left, you know, I've cried, I've laughed, I've been speechless. I'm having an absolute blast. But you just think sometimes I just want to throw a random word in to see if my listeners are actually doing what the title suggests. Are they listening? <laughs> uh, so now I'm going to introduce Dom, toilet seat, anything random just to really get someone's attention in the moment. <laughs> now there's a niche. <laughs> there you go. Toilet seats without the paper. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> I just think like, you know, yeah, it's brilliant. So schedule, and then if the schedule doesn't work, just go for it anyway. Feel the fear, do it anyway. <laughs> leap of faith. That's right, leap of faith. You don't even need a unicorn horn while you're leaping either. Oh, everyone needs a unicorn, Dom. <laughs> okay, you can have the horn after you leap. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dangling the carrot, you can dangle the horn. It's going to be brilliant. <laughs> oh God, dangle the horn. <laughs> I'm not going to be naughty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm blushing anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, good 
goodness. <laughs> Glowing in the dark like the Mountain Dew drink now. So leading swiftly on from horn <laughs> to positive changes. <laughs> so people who are out there, can you have a message of why positive change is so important? Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Pos- we were saying, weren't we, about procrastination. So why is positive change so important? Yes, indeed. Positive change is important because at the end of the day, we all change subconsciously anyway, because vernacular changes, depending on who you're with and who you work with, like I believe it was, I don't know how many years ago or so it was, I believe, somewhere in America, they would say, hey, that's hot, or and nowadays they say it's lit. And there's no time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a teenager and it's all like, it's well lit. That's nice, mum. It's litty. I have no idea what you're on about. And apparently when you're sick, nursing mother panics, but apparently that's good. Yep. That's right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Try and get down with the kids, but I'm like, even as you're talking, I damn blink in case I missed it. So lit. Yeah. That's right. Just got to stay lit. But yeah, positive change is important because we all change subconsciously. And heck, funny enough, like in the intro of Shelley's fabulous book, it mentions that if you're a control freak, you're going to be happy about this because we can all change ourselves using our own minds. So you have control over what change (laughs) you're going to make. So you might as well make a change for the good and at least make an attempt to have a story afterwards. Because funny enough, in a book by a guy named Andres Pierre is called homeless to billionaire. This guy actually wanted to go to Thailand because he saw a picture of Thailand with Sandy beaches when he was out in Sweden in a gang and whatnot. And he got there after receiving a couple thousand dollars in inheritance from a dead uncle. And when he got there, he got to the bad part of Thailand and then he took a bus trip down to the beaches part of Thailand and became homeless. And a guy gave him a book called the secret, and he set out to prove the book wrong, but he ended up proving the book right, trying to prove it wrong, and he became <laughs> a billionaire. So that's why positive change is so important, because even if you're humglum and you don't like making change, you don't like to be happy and positive and all the time, it's like, hey, at least give it a try, because you never know what could really happen for your benefit and not only benefit you, but the folks around you. Yeah, I absolutely love that because that's what I do with my work I know we've spoken before we do bring out the best in each other I'd like to think because we just get the giggles but you know when I talk about death and when I laugh about you know things that I've been through it's true that you know when I look at people I think just have a go do you know I mean you've done the victim you've done the melodramatics but just try something and I love that the fact he's tried to do a negative and it's coming to a positive an awesome one because he's come out a billionaire but yeah, totally, isn't it? Try a positive change because it will change your life. Maybe not as you saw it, but just give it a jolly good try. That's right. Even if you don't have jolly ranchers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so true, isn't it? Just, you know, just try anything. You're alive, so do something. That's right. Just do the do. It doesn't even have to be do on a mountain. <laughs> So do you have a tool or technique that keeps you on track with your sort of, you know, your positive mindset? Oh, yes. And that's the rave method earlier for the reading, the audio, the visual, and the encouragement. 
And the encouragement is so important, especially with yourself, because those who are these massively positive people, they have to make sure they're positive with themselves first. You have to like yourself before you can truly like people at a higher frequency. And that's really one of the things I like to do. And heck, even affirmations are really important as well. I'm pretty sure you and the rest of the fabulous positive kick listeners love to <laughs> hear, hear about affirmations. And heck, even I want you to Google the 10 ancient scrolls for success by Og Mandinos. That's O-G-M-A-N-D-I-N-O. Just Google the 10 ancient scrolls for success. And it's a, I'd say around a good 10 to 20 page PDF that's from the greatest salesman who ever lived. And that PDF is full of so many great affirmations that'll really get you to really start your day on a positive mindset. Like one of them, the affirmations is I will greet this day with love in my heart. And that's something we all should try to to strive for because if you wake up today, that's your first sign that somebody out there love you. The universe loves you because someone else didn't make it out today. They, someone's grieving right now because someone else didn't wake up. And if you yourself woke up, you might as well greet the day with love in your heart and share that with someone else if you can, because you have another chance with breath and life and you get to go out there and be the best you that you can be, even without the Y and the O before the U. <laughs> That's lovely. So it's, I will greet this day with love in my heart. Yes, ma'am. That is really lovely. So we are so similar. Not only have I had this like slightly delayed light bulb moment where we've got our book and then we've done the podcast after it. <laughs> <laughs> but we both are really positive. We've had a great laugh and stuff like that. So, you know, you've done the grief journey. You're an author. You're positive. What is one thing that people will be really surprised to learn about you, Dom? Uh, one thing that folks will be surprised about me is that I love peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> now you you know that this confuses me don't you <laughs> so it's <laughs> peanut butter and jelly not jam and i still think that this is a terrible accident so my theory behind peanut butter and jelly is that there's a frustrated harassed mum somewhere in america making a peanut butter sandwich for one child jelly for another she lost her shizzle, tripped, sandwiches went together, and now it's like your delicacy. Is that right? Uh, that, is that true? Is that a true story? Or is that just my insomnia? Uh, it could be both because I actually Googled it after we did our interview, and apparently the soldiers out in I think it was World War or one World War Two, they had peanut butter and then they had jelly as separate rations, and to give themselves more energy, they would just put them both together in one sandwich and eat it. And apparently when the baby boom happened, that's what they were giving everybody, their kids, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> oh my God, that's pretty psychic. Well, it's slightly rubbish because I'm way out in the years, but <laughs> <laughs> confidence is everything, Dom, isn't it? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so it was kind of an accident. I, you know, buy one, get one free, flung together. And you actually like this. Heck yeah, some bread is good, especially if it's the grape jam. Uh, well, I feel I've got closure now because I honestly didn't know where it come from, but that's brilliant. Sweet. Are you a jam fan? No, okay. it's a bit weird. Oh. I'd eat it in a donut, 
Oh, yay. Do wait, are donuts like the actual circle donuts in the UK? Yeah. Okay, okay. So it's, okay good. So it's like, a bit like a bread roll, which has been deep fried and then covered in sugar. Ah, with the classic glaze. I love it. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? I'm going like peanut butter and jelly. Oh, no, we just have like this bread roll, which we deep fry and then we put in sugar because, you know, we're totally different over here. Far healthier. <laughs> <laughs> we deep fry our sandwiches. Hey, well, at least it's for a snack as opposed to some deep fried things that shouldn't be deep fried. Oh, like what? Yeah, have you ever heard of uh, Kool-Aid? Is that like an energy drink that rots your insides? Uh, close. It's a powdery drink that tastes like hell if you don't put sugar in it, but you used to... <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> this powdery drink you put in water and make sure the water's in a big old pitcher whatever you stir it up put sugar in it and it's something that the kids would always get i used to always get that as a kid some kool-aid and apparently there was folks who would fry kool-aid balls they make these balls of kool-aid and just fry them heck there's even this thing out there a few years ago i saw on social media where they would fry a slice of watermelon well surely that just dissolves yeah yeah, it, it does, but still, like, watermelon's good on its own. It doesn't need to be fried. <laughs> That's just like cruelty to fruit, isn't it? There has been this beautiful, pure thing. And then it's getting in with the wrong crowd, being deep fried. <laughs> oh, that is gold right there. Choose your circle properly or you'll get fried. Deep fried. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange thing, though, to deep fry high water content. Don't try this at home, disclaimer. Um, isn't it? How do we even get onto this? Oh, peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yes. This is what I said earlier. Tom, do you have any tips for how to start a podcast? Well, don't ask me. I'm just having a blast. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You're doing it right because you're in season two. And that's another thing, too. With, with my podcast, I aim to interview a thousand authors. I'm glad Shelley is in that first 1,000 because she's super sensational and fabulous. And just to do it every Monday and Thursday and give folks a platform to share their messages because funny enough, my first ever interview, I kept getting cut off and I had another interview with another lady with a podcast and she was actually wanting me to say more because my first ever interview, I kept getting cut off and the second one, I didn't say too much because I was expecting to be cut off. So I was like, you know what? Let me make sure that's not the first experience for someone else. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard though, isn't it? Sometimes. I mean, loads of people, like when I sell my podcast, they said, oh, you need to, you know, talk before you go on the show. And I was just like, well, that's not really me. I come from a nursing background. I talk to anyone. And I love that. That would be my tip, actually. If you're going to do a podcast, just be authentic. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't use scripts. Just go out there, speak from the heart. I mean, like, we've had a blast, haven't we? And it's not scripted. It's probably not professional either. But... <laughs> It's just two people connecting from different sides of the world. And I think this is really beautiful. Uh, ditto. It definitely is beautiful indeed. Yeah, I don't want to do this vetting process. I mean, I have to make sure people have a positive change. You want to come on and start talking about, you know, I don't know, love of peanut butter and jelly. But, um, <laughs> but you know, as long as people have had a positive change, bosh, you're in. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but i love it you know we c all humans can connect there's no one you can't talk to and that's that's my tip for doing a podcast just be you allow others to be themselves and the world will be a better place
Out of curiosity, what's <laughs> out of curiosity, what's worse in the UK for someone to wear a fur coat or eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich? Probably still fur coats. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to know how how high <laughs> was the hate meter? Like, all right, which one's worse than the hate meter for that one? <laughs> Uh, it's just me. I mean, as I, you know, I worked like Camp America one summer because before nursing, I did nursery nursing. And so I was out there and I was like, oh, I'll try this, you know, and it's just like, it's just wrong because one side's claggy, one side's shiny. That's why I thought it was like this neurotic mother losing her shizzle, falling sandwich made. But no, I mean, I'm sure there's people here in the UK that eat it. I have an element of doubt, but I'm sure some people do. <laughs> So bless you, peanut butter and jelly. That was something that you would surprise people by. But I think you're absolutely fabulous. I really do, Dom. So tell people, how can they work with you in the future? Where can they reach you? Tell us all about your social media and your platforms and all things John Maxwell. <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am, indeed. Well, first off, thank you so much, Shirley, for having me on. I'm so glad I replied on that Facebook group because you are freaking fabulous. Freaking fabulous. <laughs> And bless you yes indeed and as for myself just head over to dombrightman.com or dombrightman.vip yes.vip is a domain name and just uh, check all my stuff out there the podcast the books themselves especially the podcast when Shirley's episode goes live because we talked about <laughs> all sorts of nonsense and you might get some of the inside jokes <laughs> in this episode <laughs> after hearing it <laughs> I don't think people believe that I'm actually teetotal. They're going to listen to your episode where I came on your show and they're going to be like, really? <laughs> the elixir of life. Is it green? Yeah. Oh, sweet. All right. <laughs> the vegans are happy it's green. <laughs> <laughs> it's the color things go when you deep fry them. Oh, God. That, that's more. I, I'm not even sure if that's burnt. Like, is, is the breading green? Like, is that even healthy? <laughs> no, nothing deep fried healthy, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, I know it's already bad, but green too. <laughs> God, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, there's not going to be like, you know, Cook with Shelly podcast coming any day soon, is there really? Yeah, might be entertaining. <laughs> And dangerous. <laughs> as long as nothing explodes, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Go on. Your social media links. Oh, yes, indeed. So on the uh, big social medias, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the LinkedIn's, the YouTube. LinkedIn's probably your best choice since I'm trying to take more advantage of LinkedIn along with Facebook too. I usually accept friend requests from just about anybody unless they're trying to recruit me in there pyramid or multi-level marketing thing so that's right <laughs> bless you dom it's been an absolute blast <laughs> oh yeah with all the rocket fuel <laughs> <laughs> i've absolutely loved it so thank you so much for sharing your positive change you've been through quite a few and i've just loved having you on the show so thank you If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. 
if you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelly F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing.